Archibald's, two Archibald's and an Alan Archibald. Hello and welcome to day 10 of our 12 Days of Archie series here on Draw, Lose or Draw. Today we are going to look back on our 5-0 win over Hamilton Ackies at Fur Hill back in 2015. Here are the thoughts of Mark Wallace. Hamilton bloody Ackies. I was doing, I was working for the record when I done this. I just remember that season because we started that season really well because we won, we beat Ross County four nothing in the opening day. Then we went up to Dundee and drew with our keeper sent off, and then we lost to Hamilton at Firhill after Scott taking the lead in the eighty fifth minute. <laughs> If that's not typical Partick Thistle, I don't know what is. Absolutely, and it just goes to show as well that that Hamilton team, like that before um, Alec Neal left, they were absolutely just they were flying. Hamilton went into the game reeling from the loss of popular manager Alex Neal, who had recently secured promotion. Hamilton Aki's fan and journalist Ben McNichol speaks of the importance of Neal to that side at the time. I mean, Alec Neal's probably. The guy's worked absolute wonders at Aki's and he's definitely the best manager I've seen at Hamilton. Do you know what I mean? He's guided us through the playoffs, obviously, with that memorable day at Easter Road. I mean, even you probably won't forget the start that Hamilton made to that 2014-15 season. I mean, we were top of the league still by October. Um, obviously, we beat Celtic at Celtic Park for the first time in 76 years. And we also, not even just that, I remember like a 4-0 win away to Motherwell. And I'm pretty sure we won 5 now at home in the January as well, just before he left. Um, and even a 3 now win at home at Aberdeen, where Tony Andrew was in fire, he was absolutely sensational for us. And um, the stand that night was absolutely buzzing. And, and I just wish they could get some scenes like again at Aki, you know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest, it was inevitable that he was going to leave for a bigger club like Norwich at some point, um, considering how well he'd done for Hamilton. Um, and I'm sure he'd been noticed by not just Norwich, but plenty of other teams. And, I really, it's just me, I don't know if it's just me, but I just really wish he stayed until the end of the season, that season, because I genuinely believed that he might have got us into Europe, um, even as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, I think we finished fifth that season or sixth. And I mean, I wouldn't say it was an outstanding squad. I definitely think Alec Neal got the best out of them. Um, obviously with Michael McGovern, who is obviously a top class, a top class keeper for, for Aki's and is obviously doing well at Norwich just now. And he's also the Northern Ireland international goalkeeper as well. Um, we also somehow managed to sell Stephen Hendry to West Ham that season. I think it was for for two million. Um, I've no idea how we've managed to do that because they only had they only had one good season. I think he plays for Morecambe now or something. Um, we obviously Daz, who was a warrior in the middle of the midfield, and um, he's probably one of those players that you love to have him if you if you if he's in your team. But if you hate him, if he's opposition, um, Doug Emery, obviously, you know all about him. He's a he's an Aki's legend. One of my favourite players that time was Tony Andrew. Uh, at the time, he was unbelievable, and I'm pretty sure I think Tony Andrew was the fifth highest goal scorer that season, which was which was quite good as well. And uh, what I thought was quite interesting was the fact that yeah, he scored twelve goals that season, but I don't think he scored any goals after Canzo got appointed. I think he scored every single goal. When Alec Neal was in charge, so I think it was. I think that's evident that Alec Neal got the best out of him. In fact, he did. He went straight to Norwich after Alec Neal left for about a million, 
Um, and I don't even think he played. I don't even think he played the game for Norwich. And I don't know if that's just a case of Alan Neil trying to give us some money back because obviously I don't know just because of the transfer fee maybe wasn't enough for when he went down there. We also had Greg Dockett in the bench uh, that night, and he also turned out to be half decent as well. Uh, the same with Brophy, but uh, they just probably didn't get enough time Ackes as I would have hoped for as well. Martin Canning stepped in as caretaker manager, and he did not get off to the best of starts. Well, the, the board said that he was already decided as a manager for the even the interim role, which I don't understand. But Martin Cannon was actually given that interim role following Alec Neal's departure, and uh, he lost his first three games when he was given the interim role against Dundee United, Celtic, and then obviously the five 0 thrashing of Thistle um, before being appointed on a permanent basis. With the two clubs always tipped for relegation at the time, matches between the two were six pointers. I don't know, Aki's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a, it is, in fact, it probably is a little bit of a rivalry because you've got to, you feel, you, you go into the games against this one, you get the feeling that they're kind of must-win games, I'm sure it's probably the same in, in your side, but uh, as you said, it's two teams that are fighting for, for the relegation every year at that time, and uh, three points always felt like six points in that in that case because at the end of the season, they'd always prove uh, very, very crucial, yeah. I mean, we actually did have a couple of good memories against you. I think it was we beat you two one in the August uh, after when we had that nil. Sorry, I think you equalised quite late on uh, through Calum Higginbottom, and then we punched in like a stupid defensive error in the ninety second minute to win it through Jason Scotland. I was also at that game, and that that was pretty good as well. A midweek game in January. David Forrest speaks to Kieran Nashon and Jamie McDonald about the miserable conditions that day. I I remember that my my vivid memory of this game is um it was in winter and it was like yeah, the snow was all the side of the pitch and... one of the coldest nights I've ever watched football on chilled you through the bone and all that and I was sitting there it was midweek and it was a shite weather and it was quite boring for the first five ten minutes what's happening like why am I here what am I literally doing with my life it's so cold. I feel like I'm going to get frostbite and I'm watching two of the worst teams in the Premiership right. and it'll be a battle, it'll be a nil-nil, I guarantee it and I'm sitting there and I'm getting generally quite like, I'm, I'm, I need to reevaluate my life choices here man, I, I, need to, I need to look at what I'm doing with my life and maybe do something better than this and then until I scored four and I was like, Yep, I've evaluated my life choices and they're absolutely fine, thank you very much. I've I've picked the right ones right through. (laughs) The match is most fondly remembered for Chris Jones scoring four, but it was almost nearly three as his first was allowed in controversial circumstances. Yeah, I I remember that that night was fantastic. Uh, Dylan scored. I mean, I remember, I swear the the announcer said it was Ryan Stevenson. I'm I'm pretty sure the announcer announced Ryan Stevenson had scored. The first goal is... Doing absolutely hoovering it a peach after Ryan Stevenson. Like it's like nine tenths of the way in for Steve and Doolin just touches it in right at the end like an absolute bastard. Like the, the type when you were a wee guy, you'd be absolutely raging that somebody took it off you. Like Doolin literally like glances it in. He gets like the sl- the absolute tiniest wee sliver on it to send it in. Having opened the scoring, Chris Dillon went from strength to strength, securing a hat-trick, before then adding a fourth. Well, uh, Dillon got the first one, then just before half-time, he, it was a great goal, it was a cross into the box, and he just controlled it, like, kind of swiveled around the defender, put it in the bottom corner, and then 
I'd seen obviously before Dills have got quite a few doubles for us. He was he did like a double, Chris Dillon. And then he does that back heel, and what a goal that is! But then that night in the uh, then did that back heel in the second half. Like a back heel, what a way to sign off a hat trick that was. Because, like the defending's awful. In fairness, like to give Hamilton Aki's a bit of a break, the defending for it is atrocious. If we conceded that, I'd be furious. But like the the fact he has time to turn and back heel it, and it pure it, it's like it doesn't even like arrow in. It sort of trundles into the net. Like it's an absolute calamity defensively. But like it's just the absolute cheek of the man, the the confidence of him that he that he does that. And uh, that is to this day the only Thistle player I've seen score a hat trick. Except we've not scored one since in the many, many games I've been to. I mean, going to every game for years. And, and then he gets the fourth. Because like, by, this, by this point, all of the goals we've scored have been his. So it's literally Doolan four, Aki's nil. James Kearney and David Forrest discussed Doolan's impact at Partick Thistle. Uh, yeah, I think that night was probably Doolan's best performance in Thistle Jersey. I don't think that's... A particularly controversial thing to say, but I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone that's what I'll be remembered for. I mean, the, the, the four goals, you know, the back heel in particular to cap off the hat trick. I, I think as well, that was the first perfect hat trick, you know, when you score with your left, your right, and your head. That was the first one scored in the Premiership since it rebranded. I think, I think that's how it is. It, it certainly was the first pe- perfect hat trick of something you know, in the Scottish top, presumably not in the Scottish top flight, presumably is in the Premiership, but that's pretty cool. You know, it's a wee bit of history there for Dools, which if there's any man that deserves it, it's him. Absolutely. And like the thing for, I think for Dools as well is that Dolan very much made a sort of hit on the sort of, not the record book, so to speak, but like he was he was always a player that I think if you, if you were watching the Premiership at that time and weren't a Thistle fan, you would know who he was just because it was always a case of he scored 10 goals each season for four or five seasons. He scored the first perfect hat trick. He, he just destroys Kilmarnock every time he plays them. Do you know, stuff like that. Like, yeah. He, he kind of had enough wee sort of nuggets, like yeah. anecdotes or whatever, that you could you would know who he was and you'd be able to say, aye, he's clearly a class player. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's a lot, you know, he's repeatedly linked with, he turned down hearts, I believe, and I'm sure Aberdeen were sniffing about it at one point. I might, I might be wrong on that, but I think that was the case. But, I mean, the thing that best sums up Doolan's sort of just consistent output for me is the fact that, you know, this is just sort of bag of a fag packet maths, but as far as I can tell, he's the first player to score double figures in eight consecutive seasons for the same club since Alan McCoyst did it for Rangers. I've I've looked into it. I can't I can't find anyone. I, I, I don't I, as far I've I've really looked into it a lot, and I've been trying. Obviously, there's lots of numbers and stuff kicking about, but as far as I'm aware, you know, he's the only guy to have scored that regularly for the same club over a prolonged period of time. You know, since since like the nineties, and I think that that really speaks to just the level of consistency. You got. I mean, you're never, you're never going to get a thirty goal a season campaign out of those. You know, that wasn't the kind of player he was, but. He'll get you his 15 goals every season, you know, year on year on year. And like that's why he was 
such an important figure for him, in my opinion. At 4-0, Thistle fans were beginning to get a little cocky, but even then, with the comfortable scoreline, some were still on the edge of their seats. This is the only time I remember Thistle fans singing, easy, easy. And even I, it was weird because I, I was sitting there and I was like, I don't feel like I've earned singing that. I, I don't, right. like, we, like, it's so surreal, the idea that we would uh sing easy and even I was like nah I'm not I'm not chancing my arm here you know what happens when you, you do these sort of things we bottle it and we're, we're getting beat 6-5 aye it, very much so I'd very much I'd very much progressed to a cynical Thistle fan by this point where even I was like I, 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 as much as I'd love to sing easy sitting there like I'm, I'm, we're cheering on Big Daddy aye. in the world of sport wrestling or something like that but aye. No, I, I I was just a bit too battered by this, and um, I, I don't think we've had that since. By the end, I was I, I joined in, but yeah, I was still very sceptical throughout the game that we could easily chuck it at any point. And I think every Thistle fan is very endemic as a Thistle fan, where it doesn't matter who you are playing against or how many goals you've scored, you could chuck it away. To be honest, mm. I remember <laughs> um, I remember it was the. I think it was the, the, the our first season in the championship um, after we got relegated to the top flight. And it was a game at Capital where we were. Not that game at Capital, the, not that the nightmare game at Capital when we were up 3-0. Um, and Dylan, when we all thought Dylan was going to make a, make a comeback when we scored two, I remember it got to like the last minute. And we were 3-0 up, we were coasting, and there were still fans looking at the watch, right, come on, referee, fucking hurry up, let me keep bonus <laughs> at any point. <laughs> It's, I don't know what yeah. it is. I don't know what it is. We could be up. We could be up five 0 oh, We're still going to. We're still going to chuck it here. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I've I've absolutely been in games where I've been like three 0 up, and I've been like, right, I, I want another goal. Another goal uh, will make me feel a bit safe. Another, another goal, kill off, and then you get six 0 You're up. Get another goal, kill off. I <laughs> like. Let's not rest in our laurels here, uh, lads. Like we could, we could, we could banana skin this. Fifth goal followed soon after, coming from an unlikely source. And then. There's a, I think, I can't even mind if it's Dylan who has a shot, and um, Eccleston follows it in for the fifth. Yeah, it's just, it was, what, what a great result that was. And I remember Nathan Eccleston then popped up in the 89th minute, grabbing that, uh, the fifth one, one of the many random strikers that we brought in over our time in the Premiership. But yeah, it was just a fantastic result that night, and it was just great to see Dills get that, get to take home the match ball finally, which he richly deserved through his time at the club. Did you do you remember much about Nathan Eccleston's stay? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember him. I remember he scored that tap in against St Mirren. It was one of the easiest goals I think I've ever seen someone score in the League Cup. Uh, I remember he scored that, and he scored again. Obviously, that game we were just talking about the five 0 Hamilton one. Then he left in January and signed for Kilmarnock, as far as I remember. I think he ended up playing in Hungary or something as well. I remember I was checking what happened to him. I think he ended up playing honestly in some Hungarian league. It was. I don't know what happened to his career really after leaving Kilmarnock, but we love a journeyman, don't we? We love. Yeah, it's not, it's not the first time we picked up a journeyman striker who hasn't lasted. I mean, if you remember, Antonio German played a grand total of two substitute appearances against Motherwell and Aberdeen, and <laughs> then just left. Some of the players have left us have gone and played in some mad distant foreign leagues. <laughs> I mean, you look at like Matthias Pogba. Some of the teams he's ended up playing for, like, the Spanish fourth tier and like the French fifth year and stuff like that. It's the teams I've never even heard of. Following the 5-0 defeat, Martin Canning was then appointed permanent Hamilton manager 
and the two clubs went in different directions, with Thistle beginning to pick up a little bit of form and pulling away from the relegation battle, and Aki's entering free fall. After that Thistle game, and he got the job obviously, we lost 10 games on the bounce, so that was 13 if you include the, the temporary fixtures, and his first win didn't even come until April, I think it was, against Mullow. Um, so I don't know if that was enough evidence to prove that he wasn't actually the man at first to take the club forward. Um, I mean, Kanzo was with us for a long time, and uh, I, I respect everything he'd done for us, even though it wasn't the most beautiful football. And if you actually look back on it, maybe he didn't do so bad after all because he kept us in the division, and that's a big ask in itself, considering the budget that the club have got. And as you said, it's not going to be easy to replace somebody as quality as Alec Neal, if you know what I mean. I mean, I don't think Aki's ever conceded five goals when Alec Neal's the manager as well. Uh, I think it was just that, obviously, the party this game was Martin Cannon, but that was that was the first time we'd conceded five goals in a long time. There was a couple of, couple of ones with four goals in there against Dumbarton, most memorably, when we bottled the automatic promotion. But, I mean, it only took Cancel three games to, to concede five which I don't know if that just goes, goes to show again, but I was at it. Um, it was absolutely shit, I'm not going to lie. I probably spent the last half decade trying to forget about it. To round us off, Mark Wallace joins David Forrest to give his thoughts on Chris Doolan and this famous game. It was our first win in five games, and our first win at Fur Hill since we beat Motherwell in October. And, yeah... Like, I fucking love that man so much. I remember when we signed him, thinking, what the fuck are we doing signing guys for the juniors? See, see in <laughs> fairness, we nearly let him go. Like, he only really got... Like, it was only the season before we got promoted that he really kicked on. Because he was. I'm sure he was on his way out and then he scored this absolutely outrageous goal against Queen of the South in the last day of the season. And we won one now, and like we kept him on, and from there he think he scored eighteen goals that season, and at least ten for the next ten years. Like you totally think about the sliding doors moment, where if Dylan doesn't score that scream against Queen of South and we let him go, where do we end up? Our most talismanic striker, Mister Fissel himself, nearly getting released, and the idea that he would just not be there and not be at the sort of crux of everything for the club for the next decade. It's just unfathomable. And yeah, it just really shows you everything. All these sort of things are on a pivot. Sometimes we always joke about not having the best of luck. We get incredibly lucky that he scored that goal because I shudder to think what had happened if he hadn't we let him go. We could probably milling about in League 2 <laughs> based on our strikers we have honestly not had any luck with strikers at all man like absolutely none I love this game so much it's my favourite Fissile game of all time just the the best just the fact that Dolan scored the 4 was amazing obviously you want other players to score and stuff like that but for me this is a definitive Dolan game more so than the 100 goals more so than, you know, the goals against Rangers, more so than the last minute one in the Ramsons Cup. This this is the one, this is the one I look at when I think of Dolan. And it's just amazing. It's just the best. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of our 12 Days of Archie series here on Draw, Lose or Draw. 
It was narrated by Matt Greer and edited by David Forrest, with contributions from David Forrest, Ben McNichol, Mark Wallace, Kieran Ashton, Jamie MacDonald and James Kearney. We'll be back tomorrow with another Alan Archibald memory, and until then, stay safe and wear a mask. Stay safe.